0: you, Jesus. Well, good morning, Faith Hill Church. Morning. Wow, wow, wow is all I can say. Amen. Sure. It's so good to be here. It's so good to be back home this morning. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> Man, when I look at, this is the first service, am I right? Yeah. Was it still too early? <laughs> Man, many years, many years back, our first service were probably just a few people, and you know, I know we're in a season where we're talking about grace and its effects, Man, but standing here this morning or just being a part of this morning service, family of God, I want to tell you that what you're seeing before you is God's grace and its effects. Amen? What an awesome job, what excellence with the praise and worship. I was just in awe. Even the serving teams, to watch them getting prepared, uh, to see everybody come in the way they have this morning. This is God's grace and its effects. Amen? Now, I know I don't have much time this morning, so I'm going to quickly uh, just honor our senior pastors, Pastor Tafara and Chipo Butai. Man, if it wasn't for their faithfulness, if it wasn't for God's grace and its effects on their lives, man, this would not be happening here, am I right? Man, their faithfulness, their obedience, their perseverance, and just their their sheer love for God. So I just want to thank them this morning for this opportunity to to come up and minister, amen? To come back home and just be a part of what God is doing here at Faith Hill Church. It is amazing. But this morning, we're going to get straight into the word. Uh, If you are here, you are here, right? I'm just checking. And you have your Bible with you. You can lift it up and say this after me. This is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter. A doer, not just a hearer. Today, I will learn from God's word and my life will never be the same. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Grace and its effects. Man, for the past few weeks, uh, we discovered building up to this moment uh, that grace, true Bible grace has effects. Man, we're seeing the effects everywhere we go. And this is true Bible grace. Amen grace gives us the impact to do more. Amen. We discovered over this past few weeks that it is God's divine enablement, God's very power on the inside of you to do more. Amen. We looked at the apostle Paul. Let's get straight into the word this morning. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 9 to 10. We're going to be reading in the New Living Translation. Man, five years ago, I remember standing up here, and I said the, the NLT, and I said the New Living Testament. Man, I got taken out very quickly. <laughs> and I make sure that I now say the New Living Translation. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. So, family of God, this is, this is the great Apostle Paul, the guy responsible for writing majority of the New Testament. Amen? Man, and what Paul says, I think we should pay attention to what this dude has to say. Because uh, there's some effects. There's some fruit. And we're seeing the very fruit of that today. Amen? Yeah. Let us go to the Word of God. And this is Paul. He says, for I am the least of the apostles. Who am not worthy to even be called an apostle. Why? Because I persecuted the church. Mm-hmm. I persecuted the church of God. So he's acknowledging, man, I did some... Some bad things. I was a bad dude. Amen? (laughs) But through this process, he also acknowledges what God has done in his life. And let's take a look at what he says here. He says, But whatever I am now, it is all because God poured out His special favor on me. And here's the kicker. This is the kicker of why we are going through this series, why we're teaching on grace and its effects. It says... And it was not without results. You see, true Bible grace always has results. There's always an effect. He says here, For I have worked harder than any of the other apostles. Yet it was not I, but God who was working through me by His grace. Immediately, there's something that catches my eye here. That true Bible grace, when somebody has caught the revelation of grace... The minute you do, you give all glory to God. You see, a false grace and a false understanding of of grace likes to take all the glory for themselves. Man, I prayed for this brother and they were healed. Man, but it's Jesus who heals, amen? The word of God tells us that he sent his word, Jesus, and healed their disease. Man, this dude, Paul, he had been through the most. If we look at 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 11, verse 23 to 27, I'm not going to read the entire thing, but if we could put it up, you can take a look at what he's been through. And this dude, had, he'd been beaten. They bluxemed this dude badly. He'd been shipwrecked. He'd been locked up. Man, he, five times, he had 39 stripes. He'd been out to sea. No food, no provision, no water. He'd been through the most. And I think about us sometimes today, right here in 2022. And we go through a small little thing, or anything just goes off kilter. And, and we, we, we don't know what to do. We're hopeless. And here, Paul is giving us a picture of who his God is. He's acknowledging who his Father is. And we're going through the book of Romans. This morning, I'm going to be touching on Romans chapter 9 uh, and 10. And I'm going to briefly go through it to give you a picture of what's happening here. And I trust that you're going to, you're going to be blessed by this. Amen? Yes. So Romans is all about the righteousness of God extended to unrighteous people like us. Amen? Yes. Through the faith in the gospel. The gospel is the good news. The gospel is to reveal. Amen? So as we all know that uh, you know, the book of Romans is Paul's masterpiece on grace. He comes to Galatians, and this is where uh, he comes with his most strongest teaching. As we, as we discovered, he, man, he takes off the gloves. This is where he gets real. This is where he gets bad. He gets down and dirty with the church and lets them know exactly how grace is applied in our lives, how we are to walk and operate as believers. Amen? As we went over this f- past few weeks, we looked at Romans chapter 1, verse 7. This was God's plan for righteousness. Last week, you guys covered Romans chapter 8, where God comes and he speaks about his love. You know, that there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. He speaks about his blessings. He speaks now about you being moved from slavery and into sonship. Romans chapter 8, verse 19, that all of creation eagerly awaits the manifestation of the sons of God. You know what that means? That everything around you, everyone around you is waiting for the day that you will walk as a son and a daughter of God. Amen. You see, this morning, we're going to be getting into chapter 9 and 10, and uh, it's a bit of a, a shifting gears. Preparing us for the later chapters where we are now to experience the righteousness. We are to walk in the righteousness. And when I talk about shifting gears, sometimes we think that we're moving forward. I don't know if you get that picture, but whenever someone says shifting gears, I picture them moving, you know, to a higher gear. But that's to actually keep the car in motion, right? Uh, At a comfortable uh, speed. But man, I remember when I first started driving, Man, I thought I could just get to five and just leave it there and chill. And everything was going to get, you know, it's just going to happen. But then as I'd approach a hill, and my very first car was not a very fast car, but it did the job, right? But as I'd get up this hill, I'd realize that the power was, well, was not, the momentum was not there. And I'd always get this side comment, man, you need to drop gears. Go drop a gear. I feel like, are you driving? But man, that car is like jerking and it's doing its thing. But what Paul was doing here was shifting gears. He was dropping a gear to build momentum to where we are going. And where he was going in the latter part of Romans was building momentum, building up more speed to take the body of Christ, to take us believers in actually walking in the grace of God. Amen? Amen. So Paul is saying, one is not automatically made righteous because they came from the lineage of Abraham. What Paul is saying is that through their response to the new covenant and what Jesus has done, and not what they can do for themselves, are they made righteous. Amen? Amen. So that's where we're going to be going this morning. Last week, I know Pastor T, uh, you know, he ministered such a powerful session where he spoke about that analogy. And I think the entire uh, topic around grace and its effects is based on that diagram. Where he was talking about the marriage between husband and wife. But then Paul comes and said, but this is the point. For those of us who are still caught up in last week and it's about marriage, this is the point. (laughs) That we were that wife, married to the sinful nature, producing evil deeds. You see, when we were that old man, we were that pig, married to the pig, producing little piglets. But when we died to our old sinful nature and then we were married to Christ, we produced good deeds. We saw that the marriage counselor was the spirit, whereas the sinful nature, the marriage counselor was the law. You see, the law is actually the ministry of death. Amen? When you look at Romans chapter 8, verse 6, it says, for to, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. You know, when you look at that ledger, on that side of the ledger of your sinful nature, man, whenever you hear the words of enmity, hostility towards God, slavery, darkness, you can associate it. And when you look at this side of the ledger, you can also associate it with light, with freedom. With liberty, with goodness, with everything that Jesus has come to give you and I. Amen? The Bible says in Romans 8 verse 14 that whoever is led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons and daughters of God. You know, this this actually ministered to me because it's so liberating to know that I am now a son. Man, a slave doesn't have that mentality. A slave goes through so much of oppression, so much of um, thoughts that hold them back from what God truly has in store for them. Amen? So today, what are we doing? We're producing lambs. We're producing love, peace, joy, gentleness, kindness, meekness, self-control. But when we looked at this diagram, what Paul was really addressing here is how is it that you have gone back to producing evil deeds? Amen. In other words, why are you interacting with your ex? <laughs> but moving, moving right along. Let's 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 move right along, amen. <laughs> we come to the book of Galatians, where Paul is getting real, right? Galatians chapter 1 verse 6 and he says, "You know what? I marvel I'm shocked, I'm bewildered that you are so soon removed from Him that called you into the grace of Christ and to another gospel. Here we see this word grace and gospel being used interchangeably, showing us that the very heart of the gospel is grace. Amen? You see, many are not aware, but there is such a thing as true grace and false grace. (laughs) Amen? False grace will allow you to do what you want and not care. True grace will motivate you to walk in freedom from sin. You'll be excited. You'll be excited about your salvation. You'll be excited to serve. You'll be excited to lay down your life. You'll be excited to be a part of everything that God is doing. And not just with a Passive attitude. Man, you're going to be bold. You're going to be excited. And when other people are seeing you, you're going to be infectious. You're going to be infecting everyone around you. Amen? False grace breeds and always breeds passivity. Man, I learned so much from this. Being here at Faithfield Church uh, and learning about true grace, being taught about it, and I thought, everything's just going to automatically happen. You know, because i you know, the past, you, you, you've been taught like it's a magic trick or something. Like, you know, I'm just going to touch you and this is going to explode. This is going to, it's going to be like, wah, wah, it's going to be amazing. <laughs> but what I realized about true grace and God's grace, it does not automatically come upon you. It does not automatically come to pass. Amen. True grace always sees a need and gets involved. You can't help but to see things uh, that has a need. Things go bad and stand by and just watch. Man, true grace will always see a need and get involved. False grace will slowly stop giving. False grace will slowly stop being generous. But true grace will always give with an abundance, will always give with joy because they realize that it doesn't even belong to me in the first place. Man, I'm just merely stewarding uh, what God has entrusted me to here on the earth. Man, and if it's God's, man, I have no personal thing. I'm just gonna just, just let it out. <laughs> just, just, just pour it out, give it to everybody because it's not mine. Amen? You see, being in ministry... Uh, for the past few years, which we are so thankful and grateful for the opportunity. Man, we've learned so many lessons. And you know, the opportunity we do get, we try to talk to as many people as we can. But one of the most common questions that I'm asked is, Pastor, how, how do I how do I reach a place of just being blessed? How do I receive the blessings of God? And it's usually followed by this explanation: Man. I've been praying. I've been reading my Bible. Man, last year I even received the award for 100% attendance. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm, I'm attending every life group. I'm in two life groups, which I don't think you're allowed to do. <laughs> Man, I've been honoring God with my tithes. I've been fasting. And you also get the opposite, you know, of those people that come and say, you know what, I've just been so busy. Man, I've not had the time to actually read my Bible. I've not had the time to, to, to attend church. Man, things have been real in my life. And you know what we realize? That in that question and, a, and that explanation lies the root of the problem. That so many people have fallen into the trap of linking God's response to their performance. Something that all of us go through. It's something that we need to address. And that's the purpose of the series. Amen? You know, somebody says, you know what, well, I believe in Jesus. I believe that I also have to live holy to be accepted by God. You know what that's saying? That's saying that, man, Jesus, what you did on the cross is not enough. That you have to, I have to add to what you've done. You know, have you ever met somebody that must always be one up? Like you share with them, hey, you know what, Uh, last year we went to Mauritius and it was so awesome. And then they're like, well, we went to New York, and you should have seen how much fun we had. Have you ever met that person? And you know, you you come to him, like you know what? God really, God has just been so gracious to us. It's been so, so, so awesome. You know, He blessed us with this awesome Toyota Fortuna. It's like, yeah, hey, that's good, man. Yeah, but we also we bought the new Lamborghini SUV. <laughs> Must always be one up. It's like Jesus is saying, you know what, I died once and for all. I paid for it all. And we're like, ah, but I died twice. (laughs) You know, the thing is, millions of church people think that, you know what, I have to live a holy life. They're trying to live holy lives. But the question is, you know what, if they had to stand before God and he had to ask them, man, what have you done to deserve your salvation Immediately, they'll go back to recounting, man, I've gone to church, I've been fasting, I've been serving, I've been involved. But I want to tell you today that regardless of how good our actions are compared to others, compared to Pastor Henry, Pastor Q, (laughs) they will always come short when it comes to the perfect standard of God's holiness. You see, the only response to this kind of question is for them to say, man, my only claim to salvation is faith in Jesus, my Savior. It's when we really sit and think, where would I be? Man, this question really blew my mind. Where would I be if it was not for God's amazing grace? And it is amazing. Amen. We've made this word amazing such a cliche. Like, how are you doing? I'm amazing. Everything's amazing. Blessed. Amazing. Amazing. But grace is truly amazing. Man, when I think... Back to my days, B.C., man, I wouldn't even be here. Man, at the age of 30, you know what? I, I, would have, I would have been six feet under the life that I was living. It was fast, but it was because of God's grace. And getting a, a, an understanding of the magnitude and the extent of what Jesus died to pay for you and I, man, it propels you, it catapults you to live for God and to give everything of yourself. Amen? Amen. You see, the thing is, Jesus either paid for it all or he paid for nothing at all. It's either Jesus or it's you. We always say that, you know what? Jesus plus something equals nothing. Jesus plus our good works, Jesus plus um, our cultures, our traditions, our opinions, our way of doing things equals nothing. Mark Mark 7.13 says that the traditions and the cultures of man make the word of no effect. But man, I realized that Jesus plus nothing equals everything. When you come to Jesus and all you have is yourself, man, that's when Jesus does His best work. You see, people have not fully understood this relationship between grace and faith, this balance between grace and faith and the, and the relationship between the two of them. You see, by definition, the word grace means the undeserved, unmerited, unearned favor of God what is favor favor is God's supernatural preferential treatment you know what that means as a child of God upgrades are yours abundance is yours increase is yours man in your jobs in your investments in your businesses in your family with your children in your health everything concerning you is meant to abound to increase I loved this explanation when I saw it. I saw the definition of grace in the Baker's uh, encyclopedia. And it says that grace is the dimension of divine activity that enables God to confront human indifference and rebellion with an inexhaustible capacity to forgive, to love, and to bless. God's grace is not running out anytime soon. Nor will it run out. Amen? So everything that you require needs your response. It needs your participation. And you know what? Did you ever realize that everything in life gives you the opportunity to respond? And that's what love is. The ability to choose. That's what love is. The feeling of freedom. The feeling of liberty. You see when you're married to Christ, you can't help but produce good fruit. You can't help but produce good fruit. I said everything gives you an opportunity to respond. When last have you gone to your TV? Do you go to your TV and you like, "Hey, dude, I want to I want to I want to negotiate with you. Could you please come on? I want to I want to watch my favorite program." Is that TV going to respond? No. You're going to have to respond. You're going to have to use that remote and put the TV on. When last have you gone to your stove and said, Hey, you know what? We're actually feeling for some lovely mutton curry. And I was just wondering if you could turn yourself on. Everything in life gives us the opportunity to respond. Amen. Coming up last night, you know... uh, I could not just rock up to King Shaka International and be like, yeah, guys, I'm here. (laughs) Come up to the terminal and be like, yeah, I'm here. Let me in. You know, I'm I'm going up to Joburg. No, I had to respond. I had to get a boarding pass. And that was my admission. Faith is your free admission to this grace and its effects. Amen? Man, I had an eventful uh, flight last night because there was a guy next to me and I think he had had too much of alcohol and man he was sleeping he was drooling his hands ended up coming on me it was it was it was just hectic right but so quickly and you know the temptation is to step into this place of like man touching me The temptation was for me to like get upset. The temptation was, I cannot even explain to you what the temptation was. But so quickly I began to remember that, man, I was probably there once. And besides, if I had to take care of it, can you imagine what the newspaper would have read this morning? Pastor or or, or man takes out another passenger from a dizzy height, takes him out. (laughs) Tell your neighbor, faith is mandatory. mandatory. It's not optional. optional. Faith is a lifestyle, lifestyle. and it's not for crisis use only. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 to 9 says, For by grace you are saved through faith. You see, sometimes we read this passage so quickly that we don't even catch its, its true meaning. And there's such a profound truth here. It's saying that these two don't work by themselves. Grace does not work alone, nor does faith work on its own. The awesome part is we get to participate. Amen? And that's amazing. That is awesome. If those of you that are taking down notes, you can take this down. Your faith is the vehicle that moves you to the grace of God. Your faith is the vehicle that moves you to the place of God's grace. Amen, where provision, where healing, where everything that Jesus died for can be found. And I realize that unless a person is perfect, they don't need to come to God. But the Bible says in Romans 3:23, that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Let us go to Galatians chapter five, verse one, in the New King James Version. This is what it says. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, in the New King James Version, it says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty or the freedom wherewith Christ hath made us free. You've already been made free, amen? And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. This is where Paul is telling it to us like it is. Amen? This word stand fast is an expression of the Greek word steko. Steko means to stand firm, to persevere, or to hold one's ground. Just like countries fight for their, for their freedom, for their rights. You know, every public holiday, I think it's Freedom Day. I don't know any others, but continuously always fighting for their freedom, fighting for their rights. But we as believers, we need to also stand therefore, stand fast, and fight for our spiritual freedom. Amen? You know what this verse also shares? Paul's admi- uh, admonition to stand fast reveals that our freedom doesn't function automatically. We have a part to play in this. The opposite of stand fast is to be passive. To roll over and play dead. 1 Peter five eight. For our adversary the devil goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Man, we cannot afford to be passive. You see, true grace actually makes you uh, know who you are in Christ, whose you are in Christ. True grace allows you to know your rights as a believer, your benefits as a believer. So when circumstances, when challenges come your way, man, you're not going to be passive about it. You're not going to roll over and play dead. You're going to take a stand because grace has an effect in your life. Amen. So what I realized as I was going through this teaching is that righteousness is not a process of maturity, but it is a position of grace that you were given at the new birth. It is a position right now. So many times when we approach the Word of God, we think that it's talking about who we are going to be, what you could be. No, the Word of God is telling us who we are right now in Christ. Amen? Grace and its effects. This is what righteousness is all about. Righteousness is a gift and once you receive this gift, you can't help but produce good works. You see, for the longest of time, we think that we were called to convict people. You know the grace police? and you got to watch out for them. But you see, we were called to convince people that the only way that they can obtain righteousness is through putting their faith in what Jesus has done for them, and not something that they've done. This morning, let us quickly take a look at Luke chapter 18, verse 19 to 14. You want to go there? This passage of Scripture is really going to bless you. Amen? This is Jesus speaking. It says, Then Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not like the other people. Cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I'm certainly like, not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to, e- to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. This is Jesus. He says, I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God, just as he had never done it, just as he has never sinned. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. You know, as I looked at this passage, I noticed something. When the Pharisee spoke, he was able to do so much more. But I saw a picture of false grace. Because it was all self-effort. It was self-righteousness. I, I, I did this. I fasted. I prayed. And this is the part where I like to say, what we can take away from this is, To check our eye levels. Not as in your eye levels, but (laughs) eye, eye, eye. Check your eye levels. We always say, you know what, check yourself before you wreck yourself. You see, the Jews, they were only required to fast one day of the week. That was the day of atonement. But dude here was fasting twice a week. The Jews were only required to give a little of their herb gardens. But Judeo was giving of everything that he received. Which is a good thing, right? That is grace. Grace gives us the ability to do more. But there's a problem when we are doing it out of our own effort. And trying to impress, trying to perform for God. There's a question that I need to ask today. Are you like the Pharisee or like the, or like the, like the tax collector? Do you trust in what you do for God? or what God can do for you. You see, if a person is putting all their faith uh, in all of their religious acts and all of their holiness, that's going to block them from righteousness. It's going to block them from relationship with God. It's going to block them from actually receiving from God. But the person that maybe has not been that good, man, they've humbled themselves, they've positioned themselves right now, that person enters into right standing with God. Amen? This is what Romans uh, says. Let's go to Romans chapter 9, verse 31 to 32. In the New Living Translation. <laughs> you see, Romans chapter 9 is talking about the chosen. It's talking about, um, it's talking about the election. It's talking about the very sovereignty of God. And as I said, it's preparing us for the momentum. It's building up momentum And I think that's where Pastor T or Pastor Chippo will take over, amen, of us actually walking in grace and its effects, walking in the righteousness of God. This is what Romans chapter 9 verse 31 to 33 says. It says, but the people of Israel who tried so hard to get right with God by keeping the law never succeeded. Why not? Because they were trying to get right with God by keeping the law, instead Of by trusting in him, they stumbled over a great or the great rock in their path. God warned them of this in the scriptures when he said, I am placing a stone in Jerusalem that makes people stumble, a rock that makes them fall. But anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. What we take from the scripture is that there's two types of righteousness a faith righteousness and a righteousness that comes by the law. In other words, a self-righteousness. It says here, you know, mankind's biggest obstacle is not sin. Amen? The sin issue has been taken care of, past, present, and future. But our biggest obstacle in life is overcoming self-righteousness. The Bible says in Isaiah 64, verse 6, it says that all of our righteousnesses, I has filthy rags before God. James chapter 2 verse 10 says that if you keep the law and if you mess up in just one, then you're guilty of breaking the entire thing. How many of you love a good deal here? Man we all love good deals. Man I don't know with me whether it was a pride thing or whatever, but I would be that guy that would pay the price. And when I met my beautiful wife, man, she looks for the good deals and I realized that it saved us so much more money, and it's actually such a blessing. Man, we love a good deal now, and I look for good deals. Amen? You see, the law, the law was just not the Ten Commandments, but the law comprised of 613. In other words, this good deal was, if you did 612 things right, and just one thing wrong, according to the law of righteousness, man, you were unrighteous you were not fit for the kingdom. Amen? But the good deal is, if you put your faith in Jesus, you would receive His righteousness. Amen? So even though you did those 612 things wrong, when you believe in Jesus, it's all good. Let us go to the rest of Romans. It speaks here in Romans chapter 9, verse 32. It says, For they stumbled at that stumbling stone. Then I never knew what was this. They stumbled at that stumbling stone. Jesus is that stumbling stone. You see why God has placed Jesus directly in the path of every person. Those who fail to put their trust in Jesus because they're trusting in themselves will stumble and fall. While those who put their trust and believe in Jesus, they'll never be ashamed. James chapter 2, verse 14 says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if people claim to have faith but have no deeds or have no grace and its effect? Can such a faith save them? The obvious answer is no. Amen? Because faith has actions. That's what James is, is talking about. That's the point that he's making here. Imagine if I came and told you this morning, man, that this building is on fire. Some of you would stand up and start screaming. Some of you would run out. But can you imagine if somebody just sat you quiet? You'd consider that person crazy. Amen? You see, anything we truly believe causes an action. When we truly understand the magnitude and the extent of what Jesus has done, it's going to cause an action. Faith is a heartfelt Conviction. Amen. Romans 10:10 says, For the for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So grace is felt so strongly that it influences our actions. So Paul concludes this morning in Romans chapter 4, chapter 10, verse 4, in the New Living Translation. For Christ has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. As a result, All who believe in Him are made right with God. Here we can see why the law was given. The law was given to condemn, to judge us. And guess what? Jesus took that judgment. Jesus took that condemnation. It was to point and to show us right from wrong. It was given to show us our desperate need for a Savior. Amen? Amen. To show us... That God's righteousness must come by grace. And as long as people look to themselves and to what they do, man, they fail to accept the gift of righteousness that the gospel reveals. Man, I am out of time, so let us stand to our feet this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. We just worship you lord and we just thank you my god for your word father we thank you for your grace and its effect lord that it has in our lives lord i thank you father that as we go through the series of grace and its effects my god that we will get the true understanding of true biblical grace my god that we as believers as children of god may not miss out on this opportunity my god but we may take a hold of every good and perfect gift that you've come to give us, Lord. Thank you, my God, that you've already blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Thank you for giving us everything pertaining to life and godliness, my God. I thank you, Father, that you give us the understanding, Lord, of grace and its effects, my God, so that our lives would not be passive, our lives would not be monotonous and boring, but it would be exciting, my God. It would be a journey. It would be an adventure, my God, of more, of abundance, of increase, of upgrades. Father God, most of all, your supernatural preferential treatment. Thank you that all of these are ours, Lord. And all we have to do is respond positively by saying, thank you, Jesus. By saying, bonga jesu. By saying, Donkey jesus. Father, we just glorify you. We just worship you. This morning, I just want to make this available. Is there anyone here this morning that has not made Jesus the Lord and Savior of their life? And you're saying, man, I've attended this morning. I've come to Faith Hill Church and I'm, I'm expectant. I want to receive from God. I want to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of my life. If that's you this morning, I want you to raise your hand up quickly. Thank you, Lord, that we are all children of you, Lord. Father, we just thank you this morning. We thank you, Father, even as we uh, approach this week ahead, my God. I thank you, my God, that everyone standing here, all of us, my God, may take a hold of what you have given to us, Lord. That our minds, Lord, uh, would be filled with your revelation knowledge, the knowledge of him, the knowledge of God, the very nature of God, my my father I thank you father that we know that you are a good good father thank you father that this week ahead is blessed it's productive and father may we may we realize that we've been given the divine ability the divine power to do more to love more to care more to give more my God everything that we have father Everything that we have, Daddy, is not ours. Not ours. There's nothing that we can do to impress you, my God. Thank you, Father, that the pressure is not on us. But all of that pressure, all of that judgment, all of that condemnation, my God, all of that sin, all of that guilt, all of that shame was put on Jesus at the cross. Thank you that our hearts are geared towards what you have done, my God. And this morning, we just say thank you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And we all together said, Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Remember these words after me in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today.